Hi, I'm Molly Weinberg, and I'm a Philly-based lifestyle influencer who gives all the deets when it comes to wellness, travel, even entrepreneurship. Welcome to the Molly Weinberg Podcast, where I chat with experts ranging from gut health specialists to fashion icons and everything in between. I want to share all the specifics to help you live your best life. I'm not sparing any details. Yep, no questions are off limits. Every week, you will walk away from each episode feeling more motivated and more informed than before. Tune in weekly to the Molly Weinberg Podcast to never miss a beat. I've kind of adopted this attitude over the years of who cares, like who cares if it lands, who cares if people judge you, if as long as you're being honest, you're doing what's right. And I think that's so important to any art form, whether it's writing, whether it's acting or painting or even what you're doing, hosting a podcast, creating content on Instagram, as long as you're being honest, what's better than that, you know? So I guess that's where my confidence comes from. In short, it's just a desire to always be honest and true. Dia freaking Becker. That is who you just heard. And we go all over the place in this episode. She is phenomenal. Bottom line, this girl can freaking write and I can't wait to be one of the first to buy her book one day. She is the voice of Broke But Moisturized, a Substack newsletter on self-awareness and millennial culture. Her writing has even been featured on the Huffington Post. When she is not haphazardly balancing four jobs, yes, four, she loves to run, she loves her poodle, and she's been practicing Italian, which I think is super cool. She also gave a great rec for a French restaurant in Philadelphia that I will definitely be trying out soon. So whether you're local or not, you're going to want to listen in. I have to ask you to start off, do you have a favorite moisturizer? Do I have a favorite moisturizer? I love that question. I'm going to say um, Embryolis. I've been using that and I might not be pronouncing that right. It's French. I get it from one of those online French pharmacy websites and um, it's kind of a staple, you know, it's kind of a cult classic. Are you a beauty lover? I am a beauty lover to some degree, but I think it's been so, it's kind of gotten elitist in a way and kind of maximized. And I think I'm more of like a pared down routine type of person. So I do love, I love beauty, but I like a more minimalistic routine. What does your routine look like at the moment? So it's, it's super simple. I cleanse with Algenist gentle rejuvenating cleanser. I've been using that for years. Then I use that in the evening. So, okay. I'm just kind of starting backwards. I'm going with my evening routine because it's a little bit more complex and fun than morning routine. We love that. uh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I cleanse with Algenis. Then I used the Paula's choice, that BHA uh, liquid exfoliant. And that is my Holy grail product. Wait, is this a salicylic one? That's in a gray bottle or it's in a gray bottle. It's in a gray bottle. I don't think it has salicylic acid, but I think it's like that. I, I can't even remember the name, but I have it on like on replenish mode. Like I, I buy it all the time. It's that like AHA, BHA liquid exfoliant. Yeah, I think it's that's so what it is. Good. Oh my God. I have Do it too. You, it I love it. my skin. And I, I have yes. really big pores and it's like the only thing that's made my pores somewhat presentable. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay. Shout, shout out, out to, to Paula's, Paula's Choice. Choice. Fair prices, great product. So 
I agree. The prices so are so reasonable. reasonable. Um, I think that's what's kind of made me disenchanted with beauty is some of the prices are astronomical and I can't get behind that because I'm the person, I'm so sentimental. I look at beauty as something that I'm going to pass down to my daughter or my son, you know? I'm like, the oh my products God, that's that so I, sweet. And I, I know it. I'm like, I'm so pathetic, but I'm like, these are the products I want them to be affordable, accessible. I don't want to go to my child someday and be like, you need to spend $200 on this vitamin C serum because that's just not reasonable to me. So yeah, it's anywho, I cleanse with the algenist. I do the liquid exfoliant. Then I just use hyaluronic acid serum from the ordinary and usually some kind of face oil or something. I like Glossier's Future Do. Uh, it's really hydrating. And I kind of just like seal everything up with something like that. And then I go to bed. And then in the morning, I use Embryolis and vitamin C serum. I was using Drunk Elephant vitamin C serum for a while, which I love and I need to repurchase. But in the meantime, I've just been using some crappy one from the ordinary that I don't think is doing anything. <laughs> oh, I now use the Elta MD sunscreen on my face because lo and behold, I wasn't using an SPF for years. And I'm really embarrassed to admit that, but I use Elta MD now and I love it. I think it's way more common than one would think. I feel like yeah. most women don't use SPF. And then when they're like asked, they're like, oh yeah, of course. Yeah. I'm just realizing how important that is. And I, I have so much sun damage, you know, I've spent years and years in tanning booths and out in the sun and I regret it so much, but I, well, I don't regret being out in the sun. I think the sun is super rejuvenating and everyone should get some sun, but I regret not being more protected. So that's a priority now. <laughs> I think I saw your before picture when you were like younger tanning or something on Instagram. Uh -huh. I was cackling. I was like, oh my God, everyone did that though. Honestly. So bad. I'm like, why wasn't my mom like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. That's amazing. So are you are now living at your parents' house or you're back and forth between Philly and home? Back and forth between Philly and home. I kind of forfeited my lease with my boyfriend, Andrew, and one of our friends took over our second room there, but I've been spending an insane amount of time here anyway. I should have figured I would have been, but yeah, I'm technically full-time at my parents though. And it's been great. I expected to hate it and I've been really loving it, but you know, I'm such a goal-oriented person. And when I set my mind to something, it kind of have blinders on for it. And I've been very much like, I want to buy a house. So that's where my mind's at right now. And so I'm just trying to save as much as I can. Where is home? Where did your parents live? Um, Danville, Pennsylvania. It is a blip on the map. So small, 5,000 people or less. It's wow. central. Yeah, central Pennsylvania. I'm from the middle of nowhere. That's polar opposite <laughs> of Philadelphia. It is. It's like two and a half hours from Philly. Wow. That's kind of a far drive. It is, but it's super easy. So I don't really mind it. Um, where are you from? I'm from Allentown. Oh my God, no way. Yeah. That's not terribly so, far from Danville. I mean, like hour and 15. Yeah. It's a, it's an hour and a half from Philly. So it's, I was going to say, it's probably like an hour yeah. or so. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I liked it a lot. Also very different than Philly, but I think yours is even more it really is. extreme. It's, it's super polar opposite. I don't even know if you know this, but Andrew and I went to school together and I think he was in like he a was. or something. He was. TKE. And that frat had like let's just say all different types of reputations, whatever. Andrew was the nicest and everyone oh. knew. Like the door would open to the house and like he would just be there like smiling like, hey, come on in. Like what's going on? Like I don't even know if he remembers who I am, but I remember who he is just because he was such a warm, welcoming face. So it's nice to see you and him together. 
Yes. Oh my God, that's so sweet. I love it. And I love to hear that too. He's such a sweetheart. He really is. Is he as sentimental? Uh, to some degree. I think I bring that out. <laughs> that's nice. It's nice to have the balance. <laughs> yeah, for sure. How did you get to writing? I feel like that's probably what you're asked most often, but your writing is incredible and oh God, you're so thank young. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really How appreciate that. How did you start? That. Oh, gosh. I've always been into writing, which is so funny and seems contradictory because growing up, I hated to read. Um, I know it's hard to believe because now I love books. Books are such wow. a huge part of my life. And you honestly cannot be a writer without being a voracious reader. I will stand by that forever. It, it doesn't matter what genre. You should just be reading something just to always keep words flowing, you know, always picking up new techniques and little stylistic nuances. I think reading is the most important part. But growing up, I was not a reader at all. I thought reading was super boring and I was super into friends and cheerleading and all that fun stuff. And I it, I just didn't find it stimulating enough. But Cheerleading? I, yeah, I was a cheerleader my whole life. Did you like <laughs> it? Loved it. Cheerleading is such a formative thing for me. And I think people get such a preconceived notion about cheerleading, but it is great. So I probably started taking writing more seriously in high school. I was always in like the honors and AP level English classes and it, everything kind of came naturally to me. That's not me saying I'm good or anything, but I just always enjoyed it very naturally. And so in college, I started taking more of an interest and I stumbled upon this online publication called Elite Daily. It's now under the umbrella of Bustle. Yeah. And they had a contributor program. And at the time, Elite Daily was getting a lot of traffic. It was sort of one of the only publications that was doing what it was, which was really just not saying the content was great, but it was targeted millennial, sort of that free spirited write whatever you want per first person narrative content. And so I joined the contributor program and started writing a lot for them when I was probably like 22. So fresh out of college, you don't get paid and they edited your pieces to death. And so nothing you put out was really your own, but I mean, it helped me foster some discipline toward writing and more of an interest in writing. And, you know, from there, it just kind of took off. And so when I moved to Philly in 2016, I started reading more and taking an interest in the blogging scene. And then I launched my blog in 2017. And at the time it was called Six and Bainbridge because that was the location of my favorite restaurant, which is Bistro La Minette. If you've ever been, it's a French spot in Queen I Village it. and it's, oh, you need to go. It's wonderful. Uh, it's okay, still, I will. I'll, I'll still call it my favorite restaurant because it's so perfectly charming. And I love, fr wow. I love French food too. Um, but yeah, so. Do they know that it's your favorite restaurant? I had a favorite server there and she knew, <laughs> but she lives in San Diego now. So yeah, it's such a special place. And it was just so, it kind of captured everything I loved about moving to Philly from a rural area. It just had that charm and that culture and that specialness. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to name my blog Six and Bainbridge. I thought it was cute. But then over time, it it didn't capture what I was writing exactly. I felt like I was writing things that were more lighthearted and kind of a little bit more self-deprecating and funny. So I was like literally doing my skincare routine one day in front of the mirror. And I was like, wow, all my products are so cheap and I'm so poor. 
<laughs> but I'm broke, but I moisturize at least. So there. It's I'm an so incredible good. name. I'm so glad you think so. So it was like essentially an elevated shower thought. <laughs> That's awesome. I would say, and you can disagree with me, that you really push the limit when it comes to topics because I see headlines in your weekly newsletter or even on your Instagram stories where I'm just like, shit, like no one talks <laughs> about this. Like, did she really just where did that confidence come from? Because you can't just be some chick who's like timid. You you have to have confidence to, to be bold enough to say the things you're saying. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm glad you think it's like envelope pushing in any way, because I never really know. I'm like, I don't know if I'm doing something that a million other people are doing, but I'm just going to be myself. And however that translates, then that's great. Um, so that's, that's really where the confidence comes from is just a desire to always be true to myself and authentic and say what's on my mind, because I guess I've kind of adopted this attitude over the years of who cares, like who cares if it lands, who cares if people judge you, if, as long as you're being honest, you're doing what's right. And I think that's, that's, you know, so important to any art form, whether it's writing, whether it's acting or painting, or even what you're doing, hosting a podcast, creating content on Instagram, as long as you're being honest, you know, that's what's better than that, you know? So I guess that's where my confidence comes from. In short, it's just a desire to always be honest and true. Did you always have this even when you were younger? No, I didn't. I, I was always, I don't know how to say this. I was always a little bit of like a like a diva, like I love to sort of perform. And maybe that's where the cheerleading and things like that came from. And I was editor of the school newspaper. I was, you know, always out there doing some form of like, I would say exhibitionist type of media and dipping my feet in ways that I could entertain people. So I was always doing stuff like that. But growing up, I cared a lot what people thought of me. And I think it comes from the fact that I grew up with very little money. And Though I live in a small town, it, there's a lot of money in my town because we have a huge hospital system. So half the kids in my class were doctor's kids and I didn't come from that lifestyle. So I cared a lot what people thought of me because I always felt like the poor kid. And so I always felt like I kind of had to like make up for something. And so um, over time, though, I just realized how how childish that was and how it wasn't serving me. And I just stopped caring what people thought. I mean, I, I think it's impossible for people to not care what people think. I think we all do to some degree, but over time, I just, it just started kind of unraveling. Like you just care less and less and less and less, and you see how much better your life is, the less you care. Absolutely. I'm sure that also shaped you in some sort of way because being surrounded with kids who have wealthy families, you develop the backbone almost because it's like you are different and you felt maybe stronger, maybe weaker at the time, but stronger now. Absolutely. No, I think that's a great way of putting it. I definitely felt like I had to like develop a thick skin, you know, yeah. seeing yourself having to work for everything, whereas other kids didn't necessarily. And I'm, I'm not saying, I mean, my parents were great and they did a lot for us with what we, what, with what we had and they're in a good position now, but at the time, you know, it took a lot to get there. So, but I'm grateful for my upbringing. We're like a very unconventional family. <laughs> you know, I've seen bits and pieces on your story. I, it's so funny how Instagram lets you feel like your family or friends with someone. Like, I don't even know you in real life, but yes. we're here on the podcast. And I feel like I know you in real life because of Instagram. Yes. 
I don't even know what your mom said or did, but I was like, she's amazing. I think it was like Wheel of Fortune or something. And like, she was like in her chair. I, I don't even know. I just remember seeing, like I can visualize it more than I can like understand it. She seems like a riot. <laughs> she she is. And I know exactly what you're talking about is when she said she would never root for a blonde girl. Because yes. Then, because then I wrote a piece about it because it just, I thought it was so, it was so pointed and it was so her because that's, that's what I grew up with. Raw honesty in my household 24 seven. And it's amazing. Yeah. Like I said, very unconventional. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that leads into your writing though. Like your writing is not conventional. I read your words and I'm just so moved or so inspired. And like, I feel it's almost emotional at some points. It's just like, oh, it's I'm so glad. raw. <laughs> I'm it's so really glad. Good. Cause I feel like that's like why I write. I'm like, I want to make people feel something. Yeah. When you do sit down to write, do you have, I hate to use the word again, a routine or do you just, it's on the fly? No, that's a good question. And I'm always like wishing I had more of a routine because frankly, it's quite on the fly. I write a lot in the notes app on my phone because I try to write down just about every idea I have, which is a lot. And so I have a very, very overflowing notes app on my phone. And I usually transition pieces from there into a Google doc and edit for a while. But yeah, for the most part, though, I don't have a routine. It's really on the fly. I always plan things in advance and they never go accordingly because I always find something else that's more top of mind that I want to tackle right then and there. Do you hope to write a book one day? Yes. Oh my God. That's, that's the ultimate goal is, is writing a book. And I've been toying with the idea of turning some of my existing writing into a manuscript and just shooting it out and seeing if anything sticks but ultimately I want to write multiple books and so I hope but discipline is probably the hardest part yeah when you send your newsletter mm -hmm. out is it the same day every week it usually changes? changes but I typically so I have my series called daily drip which was started on my blog like my website and then transitioned to my newsletter and I try to make that every Tuesday but I try not to bombard people. It's really difficult trying to stay on a schedule and also not trying to exhaust people and with email fatigue. But I try and do a daily drip every Tuesday and then another essay of some sort, whether it's an interview or a quick essay or a longer form piece every Thursday or Friday. But it doesn't always work out like that. <laughs> and sometimes if I write a longer piece one week, I'll take a week off and just do a daily drip. But I always try to put Make sure everyone gets a daily trip every Tuesday for the most part. Like life is unpredictable. So you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> it is. It really is. Especially with my dog and like splitting time between Philly and home. It's just kind of like, uh, it's hard to find inspiration to like sit through and hammer out a piece. But you know, we're doing it. <laughs> it's getting done. Wait, also, you just celebrated your 30th. I right? celebrate it on July 8th, actually. I just, oh, coming up. Yeah, I technically like celebrated it a few weeks earlier in Austin, Texas. But um, my birthday is actually July 8th. And I'm so excited. Happy early birthday. No, I don't think anyone would assume you're 30. You just look so much younger. <laughs> Thank you. Good for you. Sometimes it's to a fault. It's, it's so bizarre. Sometimes I'm like, one day I look 12 and the next day I feel like I look 40 and I can't, I'm like, what age am I? It's, it's weird. Age How is was weird. Austin? Austin is amazing. Have you ever been? 
It's my favorite city. <gasps> it's my favorite city now too. <laughs> I absolutely love it. And like, I'm, I was so happy seeing that you were going because I was like, yes, like she's going to experience all that it has. It's you the best. Me, you I want to move recommendations, there. And so do I. I literally, I Ooh. would absolutely love to live there. I loved it that much. It is just such a vibrant place. It really is. It has everything in one. What was your favorite experience? My favorite experience. You know, that's tough because I loved so much and I feel like I didn't even scratch the surface of the city because I was there for such a short period of time. I was there for probably four days. Barton Springs. I was barely there. Like we were probably there for like two hours max. Did you go there? I did not. That's the you one place. To. I know. You're going to die. You're going to die. It's just fantastic. It's it's like something out of a movie. It's oh this... You saw, I'm sure you saw my post. It's just like a giant spring-fed pool in the middle of the city. And one side is a big pool and the other side is a free entrance. And it's more of like a creek, like a swimming hole. But there are just people there from all walks of life. It's massive. It's so free-spirited. I, I fell in love. The whole It just captured the essence of Austin to me, which is just progressive and free-spirited. I keep using that word. And just the energy is just there. The energy, I always tell people when they ask why I love Austin so much, I'm like, it's just the energy. You step into that city and you feel transformed. You do. And I, it's funny, I read this interview with somebody recently and they said, people from New York go to Austin and they come back better looking because they're just rejuvenated by the city's atmosphere and the sunshine and the vibe. That's amazing. Yeah, like, but it makes so much sense. I also loved um, South Congress. Yes, that shopping area and restaurants. It's just so cool. It reminded me of like Palm Springs, if you've ever been. They say Austin, Texas is the California of the South. That makes so much sense to me. Or the LA like, of the South. You know what? That that sounds right to me, even though I feel like, again, I barely scratched the surface of LA, but I see a lot of overlap. Yeah. They keep it. The grounds, I feel like, are so pristine. Like Everything is mm -hmm. clean and nice. I also, I love cities that have more of a connection in nature. Yeah. And we don't, we don't really get that in Philly. Philly's so gray and it's just so, you know, I love Philadelphia. Don't get me wrong. I feel like it's shaped me as a person in so many ways and has so much to offer and it's just a great place to be, but it's a little bit depressing. Daniel and I talk about this often of like what we're going to do and like where we're going to go. And we have all these ideas, but push comes to shove, we're here. So it's like, who knows? You, you just don't know what life has in store. It's hard with family and everything. For sure. Yeah. Where did you go to undergrad? I went to Bloomsburg. Oh, I know where that is. Super small, down the road from my house. I went to Westchester University for my freshman year, and then I transferred home. So, how come? Um, you know what? Uh, kind of a bunch of reasons. The guy I was dating at the time went to Penn State main campus, and that was close to their home. And we were traveling back and forth to see each other all the time, and it was becoming a big hassle. And I was like, well this relationship matters more to me than being in Westchester. And, you know, you see where that ends up, you know? <laughs> yeah. It was like a young boyfriend thing. So, but you think you're going to stay with that person forever and things change. <laughs> Definitely. I read somewhere you have four jobs. I do. What the heck? <laughs> I know. It How? Crazy. I mean, two of them are just freelancing, but yeah. I really do. <laughs> I'm always doing a million things because I'm just upset. I don't want to sound terrible, but I, I'm just obsessed with financial security. And so I'm always doing different things, 
dipping my feet into different waters to just get my money up. That sounds terrible because I feel no, like it a lot doesn't. Of people, I know, but I feel like a lot of people, they hate that. And I hate it too. I don't like burnout culture. I definitely don't promote it. And I don't promote that hustle mentality, but I'm also someone, I know myself, I need to feel super financially secure and stable to feel at peace. And so I have a bunch of jobs. I have a full-time job. I'm a fundraising director for a low-income school in North Philly. And then I have a bunch of side stuff. I consider my Substack a job because it generates income. And then I have two freelance clients that I do copywriting and social media for. I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting financial stability. I think if anything, you need to be the poster child for most females because females always feel like they don't deserve higher wages or they don't deserve to make be making as much as their counterparts, whatever it may be. So good for you. You're not just talking the talk, you're walking. Oh, the thank walk. you. I'm glad. I'm glad you can you can understand that because I, I like I said, I feel like we do live in a society that glorifies burnout. And I never want to be a proponent of that because I think rest and I think balance are the keys to life. And you know, money can't buy you happiness in many ways, of course, but that's not going to stop me from chasing it. Yeah, <laughs> I want freedom. Like I said, I'm trying to buy a house. I've paid off my car. I'm trying to finish my student loans. And I'm just like, I need more money to do that. But, and of course I could take a full-time job that pays me more than my current one does, but my current job gives me a lot of flexibility and freedom to do all my creative work. So that's just how it's going to be for a while, you know? Yeah. It's such a give and take in the nonprofit world. And I don't know about you, but I've been working in fundraising since graduating college when I was 22 and now I'm about to be 30. So, but there's such, you know what, there's so many opportunities for growth in this field, but I like where I'm at right now for, you know, for what it is. I love the flexibility and everything that it, everything that it brings me. So how did you find the job when you graduated? So I actually, of course, my story is not linear whatsoever. (laughs) Like I was actually on track to go to grad school to be a marriage counselor. That was, I was going to go to grad school for marriage and family therapy. And it's still not so cool. It's not off the table to me. I'm like, I might do it, but I want to pay off undergrad before I even think about grad school. But I took a temp job over the summer at our hospital system back home, which like I said, is huge. And I took a temp job in the fundraising office and I really liked it. I had taken my GRE and had my recommendations and I was like all ready to go to school. And I took this temp job and I really liked it and I liked making money. And I was like, I'm just going to do this for a while. And eight years later, (laughs) here I am. Very interesting path. Yeah. Like I still, I still could see myself as a therapist. So we'll see. Do you think that your Instagram persona is the same as you in real life? Amazing question. Yes, I do. (laughs) That's awesome because you're, I feel like I've sound like a fangirl throughout this entire episode, but your Instagram, you ooze just like female boss bitch confidence. Oh my God. Thank you. I love that. You really do. And I'm like, I wonder if she is truly like this in real life. Like you wear whatever the hell you want. You Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> you just you say whatever you want you just are like to the core unique and i hate that word i hate that word almost as much as i hate the word like authentic because like okay i get it everyone's authentic but yeah you just are so different and so you oh my god i that is so incredibly flattering. So thank you so much. Yeah, definitely the same online as real life. Maybe a little less curated and unfiltered in real life. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I guess I don't really filter my photos. Though, so that's not really an accurate statement. So, but, you know, Instagram, it is what it is. I have days where I hate it. And then yeah. I have days where I love it. So <laughs> same I, it, it's you know, it's one of those things I could go on and on about Instagram, but I will say I am the same online as I am in real life, which in both cases is pretty much batshit crazy. It's the best. <laughs> Kudos to you. <laughs> Thank you. Have you ever experienced haters? Like lame term, but like, do people troll you? Do people say like, you know, stop writing or you're not talented or what are you wearing? Anything like that. Once when I was younger and wrote a piece for Elite Daily about giving up music festivals because I was attending a lot of music festivals at the time. And I was pretty into writing about them too. It was like a big part of my life and I still love them. Um, but there's a whole culture behind that. And I wrote a piece about stepping away from them and some other publication like wrote a counter to my piece, which it wasn't really troll like, but it was probably the closest I've gotten to being trolled as far as writing goes. But I have experienced some hate online even recently, um, about how do I put this about being silent on certain issues of social justice and things like that, which I never want to be silent, but I also want to make it clear that I write about my own life. People were criticizing me for not using my platform for different topics and different, um, issues. But again, I write about my life and my interests and I write more as an outlet for, I don't know how to explain this, I guess, my own emotional range. And I, like, I, I am deeply sorry if that's offensive to people that I'm not uplifting different communities, but it's my blog and it's my life. And that's what I write about. I'm not going to be disingenuous to that. So I have received hate for that, but you, you can't please everyone. And the online world makes you think that you need to. And it has stressed me out to the core many times, but I'm just going to keep doing what I can. And, you know, I think that's all any of us can do. People will be criticized no matter what they say and what they do, and no matter what they don't say or what they don't do. So I feel for you because I've gotten very similar remarks about like, how dare I not speak up? How dare I not use my platform for what's right, what's wrong? And the thing is, I actually went on someone else's podcast about mental health when it comes to social media. I really think that if you're not an expert on a topic, maybe, just maybe don't talk about it. It's like, what a thought. Like, yeah, yes. obviously I'm not an idiot and I want everyone to have freedom and peace in their lives and serenity. But if I'm not educated on a topic, who the hell wants me speaking about it? Why do you want my opinion? So that shit really gets me fired up, as you can tell. And rightfully so, though. Yeah. Because we're, we're all entitled to be as opinionated publicly or as reserved publicly. I think we've, we've gotten so far past people's personal autonomy. Like people want to say, people want to have stake in your platform. They want to tell you what you need to be talking about. Mm -hmm. And that's just 
that defies the whole point. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like I'm a sports team because people, when they watch sports, they're like so gung ho and they're like, let's go, let's go. And then when they lose, they like shit all over them. And I'm like, I'm not your sports team. Like you can't like be behind me. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that top. Yeah. And then like I post something and you're like, screw you. I hate that you said that. It's like, this isn't how this is working. Like my platform is my platform. I'm here to educate, inspire, whatever it may be, but on the topics that I choose. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm I'm glad you're sticking to that because I think it's really important because the second you let those people win is the second that you have betrayed yourself. Yes. And expectations are wildly high for things. I feel like instant gratification, people just expect across all categories. Like this isn't Amazon. This isn't like two-day shipping. Like you can't just expect me to absolutely. see something in the headlines and then post about it the next day and have all these thoughts. And absolutely. just because I'm not posting it doesn't mean that I'm not doing the research behind the scenes. Or doing other forms of work, you know? I think, you know, we've conflated the internet with real life so much that people act like if you're not being vocal online, that you're not doing anything in real life. And I think that's really dangerous to elevate online life over real life work. I think that's such a dangerous thing. But yeah, like I said, you know, you're going to get hate for things and I hope that my platform continues to grow more from the writing side than the Instagram side. So I can only imagine I'm going to continue to get more negativity. And I definitely need to develop more of a thicker skin. Basically, I know I'm going to get hate as I grow as a writer and I need to develop a thicker skin because currently I am a very sensitive person. So (laughs) when I do receive like a negative DM or something of the like, it absolutely occupies every lobe of my brain for weeks at a time. I feel so anxious. I don't want to be on social media. I feel like I'm a bad person. I take that stuff to heart really badly. Seriously, I know it sounds so extreme, but like I I guess I have like such a high moral code for myself and I try to stick to it. And so when someone challenges that, it just makes me feel like I want to shrivel up and die. I'm like, oh my God, I'm a bad person. And that's the shitty thing about social media is people don't take into account other people's mental health and the way their comments can affect their day. And it's like, I don't want to put that on someone. I don't want to make someone feel bad and ashamed. And, but other people aren't going to be that, aren't going to have that same sort of grace toward me. So I just need to be able to receive it better because currently it affects me a lot. Yeah. I often wish people were just more empathetic in general. Yeah, for sure. When you do feel a little down in the dumps or when you just want to like get your day started, what are some habits or hobbies that you partake in? I'm a runner. I'm an avid runner. Right now, it's kind of sad. I can barely run a good three miles out there in this heat. (laughs) I can barely run one. Hey, that's okay because we all have different exercises. Like I went to my friend's, my girlfriend coaches an incredible class at Lumos Bar and Yoga. Yes. My coworker works there. My friend Allie coaches this great class called Sculpt John on Wednesday mornings. It's a combination of yoga, sculpt, and cardio. And wow, that shit tested me. Like you you say, I like, oh, try. I can barely you're like, I can barely run a mile. And I'm like, well, I can barely do a push-up. So <laughs> it's all relative. You should absolutely go to that class. I'm like considering going tomorrow because I am in Philly and it's at 7 a.m. It is so good. Ooh. It's an incredible start to the day. Highly recommend. But All right. I'm going to think yeah, about it. Yeah, definitely think about it. But 
Yeah, I'm an avid runner. I love running and the Schuylkill River, Schuylkill River Trail is my favorite place to run. I'm obsessed with it. I always say living in Philly, I have to have access to the trail because it's such a huge part of my life. So running, obsessed, um, love obviously love to write in all emotional states, <laughs> whether it's happy or sad or whatever. I also love um, cooking. Cooking is a huge part of my life. I'm Italian. I love to cook pasta. I love to cook all different types of things. Do you um, speak Italian? I do. Not like 100%, but I've been taking lessons for the past couple of years. And wow. Yeah, it's been great. I highly recommend Preply for anyone who's looking to learn a new language. Um, there are a million different teachers on there and it's, it's great. It works with your schedule and it's cheaper than any other way I've learned a language before. So highly recommend Preply. But that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So I guess I'm not like a super routine person. Um, Everyone's <laughs> in different. In general, I feel like you strike me as someone who's probably amazing with routine. So I really like routine. I'm very type A. Like <laughs> I I, I'm say, a huge confirm or deny. <laughs> you seem like you seem like you'd be amazing at routine, and I could learn a lot from that. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm honored. I love to have a plan. I love to have a calendar with time blocks. Those are like my two musts. So routines I love that. come with that. I don't do the same things every day, but I have a plan for every day. I love that. I think Does that's that great. Sense? Yeah. I think that's everything I aspire to be. <laughs> oh my gosh. Maybe I should start teaching classes. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you should, because I am such an unorganized person. And that's like, that's probably my fatal flaw is lack of discipline and routine, but mm. <laughs> like I'll do all these things. Like I run pretty much every day and I write something every day, but there's just no routine to any of it. And I really need that. <laughs> Are you a morning person or a night person? <laughs> so weird. I used to be a huge morning person throughout college. I worked at Dunkin' Donuts for five years Oh wow! <laughs> from high school through college. And I always worked a morning shift starting at six o'clock in the morning. And so, yeah. So wow. I would like work from 6am to 4pm, 10 hours on my feet. And then I would go to college, like go to my classes wow. and, then, and then go to the gym. So I was, I was robotic throughout college. Wow. I, I was such a routine person. And I think not having that structure, I've just been like, anything goes. But since quarantine, I've been so much more of a night person. Mm -hmm. And since getting in a relationship also, because we want to like spend time together at night and binge shows and all that fun stuff. Yeah. But by myself and like pre-quarantine, total morning person, like 6am exercise, you know, Wow. Love to start the day. But so I kind of like wax and wane. Fair. What about coffee? Do you have a coffee routine or you are just like whatever's on the shelf? I love coffee. I love it. But I am trying to cut caffeine right now. So I'm drinking decaf. You but are. I am. Why? Yeah. Because I just have found that I'm like obsessed with stress levels and balancing my cortisol and all that stuff. <laughs> I don't, I'm sure you're into that because I feel like you're. I feel like your I am blog into this. is like your blog and everything is like very wellness oriented, which I love. Yes. And um, so I'm just obsessed with uh, listening to my body and managing stress and anxiety levels. I used to be really into like adaptogens and things like that and not so much anymore, but I have noticed that caffeine definitely spikes my anxiety, spikes my stress and makes things a little bit less manageable. And I'm a pretty naturally energized person, so I don't necessarily need it, but I, I still love the routine of coffee. 
So I drink decaf and I still, I mean, co- coffee is my favorite thing in the entire world. Like I love there's that. nothing in the, do you nothing in the world compares yes. to coffee for me? I always drink an Americano. Yeah. Dangles an Americano kind of guy or a, is he? Oh my gosh. A, how do you say it? A, a Oh my gosh, he's gonna be so mad. I can't pronounce this. Lejean. How do you say it? A long espresso. Lejean. Oh. Wow, this is horrible. Lin- <laughs> Menage I, I a trois. No, not that. It's like <laughs> Lin- Lin- I'll put I it in the show. I don't notes. know. I'm so curious. What does that mean? Long. Rather than like, you know, when the espresso machine, like the handle will go down and like when they think it's the person thinks it's done, they put it back up and it stops. Uh-huh. You just let the handle run until like all the espresso's out. So it's just extra caffeine. Oh, wow. Well, good for him. He must be a machine. He can handle all that caffeine. He can. I'm jealous because I love coffee because the taste and the smell. Me too. My typical morning beverage was always a half-calf Americano with cream. Hmm. But I now I've switched to decaf pretty much. So I'm pretty much always drinking a decaf Americano with some cream. I love milk and like uh, – like all the nut milks and oat milk and everything, but cream hits and coffee. Like That's I can't what I was going to ask you. I can't give it up. <laughs> I was going to say, like, are you a dairy person or you avoid dairy at all costs? But you're Italian, so I feel like you can't really avoid dairy. I do not avoid dairy. <laughs> oh my God, I'm so jealous. <laughs> on a daily basis, like I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to eat dairy in most ways on a daily basis, but I always have cream in my coffee. And if I'm eating like an indulgent meal, yes, like, whatever. But I do try and eat a little more simply, a little lighter for the most part during the week. But on the weekends, it's kind of more of an all bets are off type of thing. It's a nice way to have a balance. Yeah. (laughs) For your writing, what does Andrew think of it? Uh, He loves it. (laughs) He's a great champion of my work, which sounds so funny and so dorky, but um, he has been a great inspiration. He is a super reader. So Sometimes I tell him he's my target audience because he's so well-read and he's so smart. And I know that he's the type of person that can offer the criticism that I need to improve. So I trust his opinion and his taste over pretty much anyone. (laughs) That's major. I was actually going to ask you, do you write for yourself most of the time or do you write with someone in mind? Because for blogging, I've been to so many conferences and listened to courses and podcasts and they always say, have a target person in mind. If it's a girl, let's say, you know, she's 32, she's a nurse, she lives in Boulder, Colorado, like really, really specific. And it's like target everything to this person. I've always had difficulty with that because I like to share what I like and it's not necessarily this person's identity. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, you're not necessarily a blogger in the influencer definition, you're a blogger in the writing definition. So do you write for your blog or your newsletter for yourself or you have a identity in mind? Um, for myself, uh, that's a tough question, you know, because I feel like over the years I've been encouraged and I've seen the merit in sort of honing an audience and tailoring to some degree, at least, at least from a social media perspective. I think it's, it definitely drives traffic, but again, I try to always look at writing from more of an artistic perspective. And to me, it's always going to come back to writing what's true and what's real for me. And I think, you know, your audience can look like anyone if you do that. So that's pretty much always going to be my approach. I like to write about certain topics sometimes that I think 
might be helpful for certain people to read. I don't necessarily think about a specific person in mind, but for example, and I know, I think we might've talked about this a little bit in DMs, like I'll write about things like getting Botox and lip injections, because I think there's a lot of misinformation out there and there's a lot of taboo and shame around subjects like that. So such a stigma uh, there is. And so, and I've actually been working on a longer piece around that for a while, but it just doesn't feel perfect enough to put out yet. <laughs> and I, I feel like this is such a, this is a topic that's sort of close to me and is controversial and, and it's also fun. And so I write for somebody who, who is interested in those things, but it's also critical of them. You know what I mean? Because I think that's, you know, an okay way to be is we can be interested and have fun with certain things, but it's okay to also be critical of the systems that uphold them. I guess I write for someone who's within that sort of gray area of different topics, like cheating and things like that. You know, I want to write to people who are still trying to figure it out. Yeah. And this is pushing the envelope. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> for anyone out there who's listening that thinks they maybe want to pursue writing as a full-time career, what are maybe three to five steps that you would recommend, whether it be maybe the first like jotting down ideas, it could be as micro as you want to get, or it could be very general, but just some bullet points of advice. Oh my God. I feel like I can't even answer this question, which no fault to you, but I just feel like, <laughs> I just feel like I'm like not there. You know what I mean? Like, I'm so fortunate and so grateful to all the people that do support my writing, but I feel like it's going to be a long road. And all I can tell people out there is to prioritize reading. I think reading is the most important catalyst for becoming a better writer and becoming a writer that people want to read. I wish I could speak to this from like a full-time perspective. I do write full-time for my job, but not in the way that's creative and, you know, what I want for the future. But all I can really tell people again is prioritize reading and write every day, write every idea that you have, because you never know what can come from it and leverage your connections. Don't be afraid to reach out to people as a mentor, like for mentorship. Cause right now I feel like I'm in such like a early stage of my writing journey. And it's like, I have a couple people out there who are mentors to me and I'm so grateful for them because I would be so clueless and it's, it's just such a great thing to have. I think people get scared to reach out to someone for advice and for mentorship, but the worst they're going to do is not respond. So definitely take that chance. Oh yeah. hundred <laughs> so, percent. That's my, that's my advice. And just know that your voice, it's always relevant. It's always needed. I feel like a lot of people don't want to launch blogs, don't want to write books because they think the market is so saturated, but if it's coming from a place of art and from a place of honesty, it doesn't matter. You know, all you're doing is putting something beautiful into the world. So why not do it? It's so beautiful. I love that. <laughs> That's bad. so beautiful. <laughs> You've been writing for four years. You said since 2017, is that correct? That's how long I've had like an independent blog. Yeah. So within that, is that the time period where you wrote for Huffington Post? I wrote for Huffington Post in 2019. What that look so, like? Did they? Did you pitch them, or they reached out? I pitched them. Wow. And yeah, I did. And you know what? It's so sad. Like that's one of the only bylines besides my own blogging that I've had in years. But I pitched them, and I worked really hard on my pitch because 
I was like, you know, who knows what this could lead to. And I couldn't believe they actually responded and were willing to publish it. And they were so awesome. The people at Huffington Post, such kind editors. I feel really grateful that they gave me that platform for, you know, a short little period, but so, so happy that it landed. (laughs) What was the piece about? So I wrote it for around Valentine's Day and it was about my relationship at the time. I was going, we were both 27 and we were in couples therapy. We were together for less than a year. And I thought that was a meaningful experience. I thought it could encourage other people to try couples therapy because we had been together previously for a very short period of time and he had cheated on me. And then we broke up for months and months and then we got back together and we were like, let's just start this off on the right foot and get a therapist. You know, ultimately it didn't work out. We were pretty codependent and had a lot of other, a lot of other issues, but it was still one of the best decisions I ever made. And I'm so glad I got a chance to write about it and to share with, share with a large audience, because I feel like couples therapy, people think it's for, for marriage only for older people, for people with children and it's, it's absolutely not. It's a great tool to have. And I'm not saying I would do that now or again in the future, who knows, but I just wanted to shed some light on something. And so I'm glad I got to do it on such a huge platform and major publication. It was great. That's fantastic. Thanks. What would you say to your 20 year old self as far as advice? Oh my God. My 20 year old self work harder in school, I would say, don't be scared because I felt like I held myself back a lot in my early twenties because I went to a small school like Bloomsburg that isn't around cities or opportunities. And so I felt like I held myself back and realistically I had such more of a thirst for like bigger things for myself. And that didn't really fall into place until I, you know, moved to a city and made a decision like that. But I wish I would tell myself when I was 20 or so to, to work harder, to dream bigger and to not be scared because there's like this whole world out there. And I look now at people who are in their young twenties and I'm like, wow, they're light years ahead of where I'll be when I'm like 40 even because of the internet, you know, being online has just expedited everything and people's trajectories are, you know, light years ahead. And I wish I would have at least tried a little bit of that when I was younger, not necessarily like a social media outlet, but like, I just wish I would have kind of, you know, pursued more and went a little harder. Yeah. I think that's really real and really honest. Before I let you go, can you share with the world how people can find you, how people can subscribe to your blog, all the good stuff? (laughs) So you can find me on Instagram at broke, but moisturized. Best name. <laughs> I'm so glad. And you can find me on Substack at broke, but moisturized.substack.com. Substack is an email newsletter platform, or you can just go on there and read through the archive. That's where you can find me. And you Amazing. can find me on Twitter, but I'm not really anything great on Twitter. I mostly just post funny things, but my Twitter is at Dia underscore BBM. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dia. This was so cool. I loved being able to talk with you through all these things. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Come back soon. I will. Thanks, Molly. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this podcast, feel free to share with your friends, family, loved ones, really anyone who you think would gain value from this episode. 
And if you're feeling up for it, please subscribe, rate, and review. It means so, so much.